that part of me letting just letting him honestly take the reins because I did, could not picture myself being exposed to trauma again. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And you're talking to somebody who was very adept at managing um, exposure to trauma as a, you know, emergency nurse, as a flight nurse, as a psychologist in prisons. And, you know, I've, I've been around the block professionally, right? And, you know, even with, you know, some personal things. So I pretty good and adept at it, but boy, I, it, it, it emptied my cup, couldn't do it. And knowing full well that that was secondary trauma, at least I had the backings of knowing, oh, that's right. In the training, they said this could happen and it did. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. Today, I have a special guest I'm excited to bring back to you. She is my neighbor from Hawaii, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Dr. Hartwell is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety assessment and treatment. She is also a coach that specializes in high-functioning anxiety. And she just happens to be an adoptive mom. This conversation deals with a topic that in some degree affects all of us. I would encourage you to grab a pen and paper. Dr. Hartwell delivers some valuable information we can all use. I want to welcome back my neighbor from Hawaii, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. She was previously on episode 50, and I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes because I want you to go back and catch that episode. That was really a good one where we talked about how to understand grief in your adopted children and how to love them. So I'll have that in the show notes. But Lisa, I'm really uh, excited to have you back on the show. And I realized before we started recording, I know you're from Hawaii, but I don't know what island you're from. Yeah, I'm on Oahu. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm right smack in the middle of all the islands. And we are in deep in hurricane season. We just had one pass us uh, two days ago. Um, down south. So we are very lucky that it's a bright, beautiful, sunny day today on Oahu. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get tornadoes around here. Not Well, I take that back. We had a hurricane one time. It was scary mm-hmm. because oh, it, yeah. you know, up in Indiana, it had come up through the middle of the country and I had never seen sustained winds of like 75, 80 miles an hour. Yep. Not that I like to admit it. I'm used to tornado type weather, mm. but hurricane weather, 
the straight line winds that was scary i've never seen anything like that yeah the wind and the rain makes a mess mm-hmm. yeah yeah and ours are uh we regularly get 50 mile an hour winds in our tropical storm um seasons but yeah hurricane at 100 miles an hour is a game changer wow i guess we don't hear too much of it in your part of the world i mean i mm-hmm. hear hear about them in florida of course yeah, Gulf yeah of mexico yeah. Right. But, you know, I always just think of Hawaii as just sunshine, beautiful weather all the time. <laughs> it is. It is when they're not here. And ours come from Mexico. So okay. ours, the storm systems start. And then so what happens is we're we're such a dot in the middle of the ocean, right? Uh-huh. So the tracking system is what they watch. And the nine times out of 10, hopefully they always go a little bit south. So we always get the, if you picture a hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, the outer edges is what we get. So we get, okay. the, yeah, we lucked out. So yeah, it's beautiful and sunny today on Oahu and um, I'm happy to be here again. Thank you for well, having me again. Well, thank you. I, I really wanted to get you back on here. Uh, the information you shared last time was uh, so timely for adoptive parents. And mm-hmm. we talked before we began the recording today about a topic that I believe is going to resonate with a lot of adoptive parents and not just adoptive parents. It really is something that is talked about a lot today, even though, as I admitted, it's something I had not heard about with relationship to adoption, but it was part of your adoption training. Mm -hmm. And the topic is secondary trauma. Mm. And as soon as I heard that phrase, I understood it immediately. But as we begin this conversation, can you identify and explain what secondary trauma is? Yeah, it's it's such a um it's such a huge topic right now. I was saying earlier that um when we were uh, just talking about um our conversation today is it really rolls off of the tongue of people now. Um and that is because of what collectively as a nation and a, as a world we all went through recently with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um people recognize on the degrees and the different levels of trauma that folks experienced from that. And everybody's experience was different. But secondarily was the secondary trauma from the exposure to the trauma. And mm-hmm. that is related to usually most of us who were helping others who were going through trauma get through it. Mm-hmm. So you don't go through the trauma yourself, but you still feel the effects of the trauma as exposure to that as someone who is caring for these folks. Now that can be caregivers, that can be um, teachers, which were dramatically hit from the whole process. Um, that can be from even researchers um, and, you know, and the like. So when you think about secondary trauma, you always think about, you don't necessarily have to go through the traumatic event yourself. Um, It's more about the exposure to it. And secondary trauma is mostly related to repeated exposure to that. So in other words, uh, unless something is catastrophic, like a a terrible accident or um, something like that, most people won't experience secondary trauma long-term it's more Mm -hmm. of a short-term thing but when it's all the time yeah people walk away with that feeling as if they have the same traumatic responses as somebody who went through the trauma themselves that's kind of it in a nutshell that makes sense and 
you were telling me when you went through your home study and all of your training to become an adoptive parent, mm. that phrase, that term was talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. That wasn't discussed with us. Now it's been 20 years since we went through that process, but for you, you said that was something they talked about a lot. Yeah, it was, uh, we, my husband and I jokingly call it our Jedi training, um, <laughs> uh, that uh-huh. we didn't expect to have, uh, mm-hmm. when we embarked on the journey, we didn't, we, we always used to say, man, if every parent that got pregnant had to go through this kind of parent <laughs> training, we'd be amazing. Um, but what they had us do was going through modules of training and different aspects of what it meant to be and possibly consider adoption for Mm -hmm. a child and especially a baby. And one of those modules included essentially about secondary trauma, which is how are you going to cope with yourself during this process that could prove traumatic and for us, it was because we had four failed adoptions, or they don't call them that anymore. They call them interrupted um, adoptions mm-hmm. um, uh, before we adopted our son. And that was coming off the heels of four failed uh, IVF attempts. Uh, two of them were IVF and the rest of them were um, the Clomid route. And so mm-hmm. IUIs. And so we're talking at least three to four years of exposure to loss, exposure to um, not necessarily trauma as in an airplane crash, Mm -hmm. but trauma in the sense of listening to the stories, being vulnerable yourself and exposing yourself to the possibility of their story. Mm -hmm. And then, then having the rug pulled out again. And so that repeated exposure to that, just, you know, it's no different than being exposed to a traumatic event. You're on guard, you're hypervigilant, you don't, you, you uh, lose your trust uh, Mm -hmm. in the process and trust in people and sometimes trust in each other. And so um, I know right before we got the call for our son, I told, and at our home study, you know, they're always good for a year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I told my husband, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I know I understand, but how about we just wait until the end of the home study? We have nothing to lose. It's the end of the home study, right? I think it was two months out and we got a call the next month to meet Mm -hmm. with the birth mom. So, you know, and you you and I both believe in the God thing. So the whole God hand, we had, you know. It was like, ah, yeah, no, you're not done yet. <laughs> so I have, <laughs> I have somebody waiting for you. Um, but that part of me letting, just letting him honestly take the reins because I did, could not picture myself being exposed to trauma again. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And you're talking to somebody who was very adept at managing, um, exposure to trauma as a, you know, emergency nurse, as a flight nurse, as a psychologist in prisons. And, you know, I've, I've been around the block professionally, right? And, you know, even with, you know, some personal things. So I'm pretty good and adept at it, but boy, I, it, it, it emptied my cup, couldn't do it. And knowing full well that that was secondary trauma, at least I had the backings of knowing, oh, that's right in the training, they said this could happen. And it did. I see, I see why they were preparing 
us for that, you know, and reminding us that you have to have the backbone, you have to have the strength, you have to have a healthy marital relationship and supportive family Mm -hmm. to get through it, but it will happen. Um, So that part was, I guess, planting the seed. Um, Mm -hmm. We had, as I said, no indication of that type of thing even being possible. I remember during the in vitro, the IVF uh, tries that we went through. I don't even remember the doctor's name. And if I did, I wouldn't say it. But I remember him coming out and saying it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But we can try again. Yeah. And it was like, we need some uh, time to grieve. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, we can just try again. And yeah, I mean, the thing was, it's appropriate and everything for them to to be compensated for the process. But, you know, we were bankrupt uh, emotionally at that point. It was just so devastating and having two failed ones as we did. I mean, and then we had some, some challenges with the adoption process too. So I'm understanding what you're saying about this because we retreated within ourselves with so Mm -hmm. many disappointments and with our first adoption, what we ended up doing because we had had so many disappointments, we didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. We had a bit, well, a, a very small circle of people. And I even told my mom, I said, you cannot tell anybody. She knew we left for the hospital to pick up our sons. I said, mm-hmm. you cannot tell anyone until the papers are signed. Yes. As soon as those papers were signed, I called her and said, now you can talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I live in a small town, so it was just a matter of minutes before everybody knew. <laughs> <laughs> but we 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 just had that was the way we processed it right or wrong but yes. there's got to be some better ways to do that and that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this because I understand from your training you've alluded to it mm-hmm. but you've got a conference you're going to go to in Boston where you're going to help people about this you're helping the, in your own uh workplace so yeah. you know uh, what this is all about mm-hmm. yeah and i i think there's two layers before i kind of share with that piece is is the secondary trauma that are, you know, when we, when, in reference to adoption anyway, is, is one of the things that the training did help us with was the preparation of knowing full well what our birth moms go through mm-hmm. and how that impacts the children that we adopt and having a good understanding. Not that there's always a direct, I know when I, we were emailing about this bit, you know, I'm always a firm believer that there's never one straight line mm-hmm. to human behavior. There's no such thing. There's too many mitigating and contributory factors, but we can't, we can't ignore what the birth moms go through mm-hmm. as far as adoption, whether that be their decision to adopt or um, the choices that they're making during their pregnancy and their environmental, you know, stressors and exposure. And we know that that impacts these babies. As adoptive parents, we have to be ready for that. And I do think that's one of the things that the training did help us mm-hmm. uh, to where to this day, and our son's 13 now, um, it's a little bit younger than yours, but mm-hmm. we're in the throes of teenagers. So, you know, our constant battle within ourselves is how much of this is just normal teenage developmental years that we're all, 
mustering through um, uh-huh. <laughs> versus, you know, how much of this is adoption trauma right. and secondary trauma that because it didn't directly happen to him. Mm-hmm. Right. When you think about him going through what she went through. So um, and you never really know. Yeah, I mean, they share things, but, mm-hmm. and we have an open adoption. So she's just lovely. We have an amazing relationship, but you're never going to know everything. And there, therefore, there's that linkage between if you have adoptive parents that are coming in from secondary trauma from the process, mm-hmm. you have a baby that's born from, you know, secondary trauma from the experience of being born into this life. And then you have, the systems that we're putting our kids into schools and, you know, preschools and uh, sports events and church and all these different areas. And maybe they have some acting out behavioral issues. Now we're exposing another system to secondary trauma that they experience their secondary trauma. See, so it's, it's Mm -hmm. this layering thing that we're all trying to manage and it's it's great that it's finally being talked about in a way that's essentially normalizing it. Mm-hmm. Our experience of how we're reacting to someone else's trauma. Great. It's amazing that we finally get to talk about it openly and talk about our own secondary trauma that we're experiencing from um, from these lives that we've chosen. Yeah. It sounds like there's a ripple effect, if that's a good way to, to describe yeah. it. Yes. The, the thing that uh, I found, we, my wife and I, discovered, is that there are some people, as they're exposed to this, it repels them. Mm. They they just want to back off. Mm. But there are others who want to get messy with us, mm. and that's really what it takes. You got to have somebody willing to be messy with you because this is this can get messy. Yeah, and how you got to figure out how to to navigate these this secondary trauma. So what are some ways that you can suggest and offer to us to, in how to navigate this? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I I think when I hear you say that the first intentional step people can take, and even though it sounds so cliche is you got to name it to claim it. Mm -hmm. You really have to, to put a, a label on it or at least a title on it. And then hold it so you can claim it and get some support around it. Okay. That's really the first step because there are so many resources out there to get support as far as working through not only primary trauma, but secondary trauma and even tertiary, like I was talking about with teachers and such. Mm -hmm. So, so I think it's more about understanding that the first thing we're going to do is, you know, go ahead and name it. It's okay to say it because we've all experienced it on some level. And then the second thing would be, it would honestly be the same process as working through trauma, which is, are you able to articulate the feelings? And, you know, my specialty of course is anxiety and high functioning anxiety, but normally when you think about a traumatic response, it's really just on the, the continuum of anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's just a higher level of anxiety, right? Which is more chronic or when you're getting triggered. And when you think about that, then what are you doing? You're just putting yourself in a constant state of fight or flight. And mm-hmm. so what are some of the 
behavioral management tools that we use for getting us out of that chronic state of fight or flight. So for instance, you're getting triggered by a kid in your classroom, to use your teacher example that you talked Mm -hmm. to this morning. Right. You're getting triggered by a kid in your classroom. You feel in your body reacting and you're reacting because your trauma indicator is sky high. And you're either going to fight, flight, or freeze. You're going to do something in front of that kid. So it is about learning anxiety management techniques in that moment so you can be there present 100% for that kid in the way that you need to be as Mm -hmm. a teacher in her case. So, you know, learning mindfulness techniques, learning relaxation techniques, it's always about pairing relaxation and getting that anxiety level down with having the 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 trigger at the same time and that's that's obviously what i teach right so the idea is how do i get to the point where i know i'm having this response i know i feel like i'm fight flight or freeze but how do i stay in it in a relaxed state and i always you know just mentioning the hurricanes i use um the uh, a hurricane training when i talk about my trauma response training which is when people are tracking the hurricanes that come over here mm-hmm. um they have aircraft of C130s or even the navy aircraft and they fly into the hurricanes and right. when they're flying into the hurricane what their their goal is is to get into the eye of the hurricane because as they're going through what they're doing is they're releasing these cylinder thingies <laughs> i don't know what they're called um to go measure the actual data from the mm-hmm. hurricane that's mm-hmm. how we know how many miles per hour that wind is and all of that sure. but when they get in the in the middle of the storm the eye there is zero wind. It's mm-hmm. sunny. There's zero wind and the aircraft stabilizes. So I have this incredible video that I share with folks that um, they're basically so strapped down in the aircraft. Otherwise they would be flying out of their seats um, oh, wow. as they're flying through the hurricane because they're all over the place and they love it because they're a bunch of cowboys that do this kind of work. And so they get <laughs> and they fly through and then they, it is amazing to watch because then they get into this eye of the storm and you can see them just all looking outside of the beauty that's surrounding them. And it's just like this peaceful thing. And I always use that analogy. That's our goal. Our goal mm-hmm. is to be that center, to be that peace and to tap into how do I stay in the eye, in the eye of the storm while it's circling around me? which is the traumatic responses of what that person has been through. That's a great analogy. And I can understand that. So what are some ways to can put yourself into that calm and peaceful state? Yeah, exactly. That's where you are learning relaxation techniques first. Uh You never want to learn them while you're going through the trauma. That should be an automatic response. Okay. That becomes your new automatic response instead of reacting to the trauma that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. that's how you work on your secondary trauma. So in other words, I now recognize my heart's, you know, starting to beat a little bit faster. I'm feeling a little shaky. I'm feeling a little triggered. Like actually I want to hit them back, you know, react. And I recognize that's happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to immediately go into my thinking brain up here in the frontal lobe and say, all right, oh, let me bring myself down. 
let me go for a walk because nothing imminent is happening in front of me right now. Even if a kid throws a chair across the room, guess what? It's done. Mm -hmm. They already acted out. You don't have to do anything. You can say, okay, well, we're going to just sit and we're going to look, turn around and we're going to look at the beautiful sky right now. You want to come look at the sky with me right now? And but what do most of us do? Either react and yell and say, you want, we deliver a punishment or, you know, you can't do that. That's unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. But teaching that you can have a, a fighting through that fight or flight or freeze response through like, nope, I'm, I'm the one that's creating the peace in the middle of the storm right now. Mm-hmm. And it, and honest to goodness, it just takes practice. <laughs> You, yeah. can't, you can't just like read about it and then, you know, um, say, so I take people through a process, which is let's do the relaxation techniques first that works for you. And then I'm going to slowly start exposing you to the story of the trauma. And then pretty soon you get to be relaxed while you're thinking about the trauma or being exposed to the trauma. Okay. But over here, it looks like anxiety is associated with the trauma. And this is a podcast, so people can't see my hands, but um, <laughs> um, but it's it's that gap that you're trying to okay. bridge. Yeah. Okay. You know, as you were talking, one thing that occurred to me, and this is probably a rabbit trail we don't want to go down, but I'm just going to mention it, and you can just tell me whether this is applicable or not. Mm-hmm. But when you are starting to experience secondary trauma, could that trigger some unresolved issues that you have yourself 100 percent. that's exactly the issue of why they did our jedi training okay because they want you to work on your own trauma so Mm -hmm. you don't inflict more trauma onto this child that you have adopted and that is something that every parent should do anyway whether or not we've adopted and Mm -hmm. because we all have our stories but i think it's, it's more, um, there's this weird elevated sense of being a better parent when you adopt. I think we put that pressure on ourselves. Right. And we feel the responsibility. The responsibility is so yeah. much more elevated yeah. that you feel like, well, you got to work on your own stuff, man, to take on this kid. Yeah. And um, I, I I think it's I think it's a good thing, but I think we have to be gentle with ourselves and know that we're human and we're human parents at that mm-hmm. and figuring out uh, maybe I'm getting triggered more than I need to be in related to this thing that's before me as far as the behavior goes. Maybe I need to go get some support for myself. And one thing that occurred to me, too, is that we're willing to give grace to others but mm. most of us i'm i'm guilty of this am not willing to give grace to myself yeah that's so i'm true and that's you know you have there has to be a level of self-care and grace for yourself in order to navigate these challenges so mm-hmm. um well maybe these, we should, maybe we should put that as the first step before we name it then because you have to have grace in order to name name it yeah that's yeah. true mm-hmm. that's true so you you have connected with your expertise of anxiety and high functioning anxiety the relationship of this so yeah mm-hmm. uh, i'm glad that you were 
talking about this to us because we can start to see the connections and why we feel the way we feel when we think we've got our stuff together and then something triggers it that's you know wasn't our fault at all but having lived with a, a son that has adoption trauma i mean it's it is yeah. it's a real thing and mm-hmm. unless you've lived with it you don't understand mm-hmm. but having lived with it i i can see where some of the things and some of the way ways my wife and i felt it was secondary trauma yeah 100% and then how do you think that looked for you? I think that would be the question. Mm-hmm. So now that you recognize it, how how would you say that other listeners would see themselves in you in that way? Well, one of the things I've mentioned many times on the podcast is that we felt shamed into the shadows mm-hmm. where we wouldn't, we retreated within ourselves. We had kind of learned that survival technique during the infertility where we just said, okay, this is not working. We're, we're just going to have to retreat. And we just wouldn't talk about it or we would talk about what we ended up doing. What I ended up doing a lot is I found an anchor of encouragement that I could just call 24 mm-hmm. seven. And the, the wonderful thing about this person I'm thinking about is he could, he would just listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would go for walks, mm-hmm. but uh, I've got a dirt path in my yard from all the walking. I said, this is, <laughs> this is the adoption trauma, good yeah. exercise, but it's a good way to do it. But yeah, you, you start to retreat within yourself. You you don't interact with people and you, you kind of shut down mm-hmm. and that's not healthy because you can't internalize this because it's, it's got, it's got to come out some way and you don't want it to come out in negative behavior like adoption trauma can. So you don't want to have a short fuse with people. Right. So that, that would be a description of what flight or freeze looks like. Right. Yeah. So that, that's so to, so then it, it becomes easier to name it and Mm -hmm. figure out what the next steps are. So how can we do something different than fleeing, getting, you know, avoiding, and then, uh, or freezing, which is getting a brain freeze about it all and not doing, feeling frozen. You can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's many, many adoptive parents out there that do the fighting part, that yeah. dig in heels deeper and fight. So that's the first step is yeah. recognizing that category. Then you know how to have the um, kind of paradoxical intervention, the right. opposite reaction. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, it's it's such an amazing topic, isn't it? And I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's fabulous that you're even bringing it up because it um it just needs to be talked about so we can all heal each other and support each other. And there, frankly, there's adoptions going to continue. Mm-hmm. So I think we can learn from it and have this next generation of adoptive parents really take it on with, shall we say, less trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they need to be aware. Yeah. They need to be aware of, of what's happening. And I got to the point, I'll share this story as we start to wrap up here. But I remember with my oldest that when he was, his negative behavior was exhibiting itself in anger, that if I matched anger for anger, it didn't mm-hmm. do, go well. But if I would stand there and take it, that it would de-escalate the situation. 
but that's not easy to do. But I, I eventually became aware of what was happening. I said, okay, uh, a soft answer turns away wrath. You go back to Solomon. So mm-hmm. that that can start to bring the level down. And that's the peace part. Yeah, that's the peace part. Mm-hmm. That's the middle of the storm. That's the eye of the storm. Yeah. Yeah. But I can remember how that felt mm. to absorb him, but then try to to bring everything down. And you know, I, I say I'm I'm always going to be a work in progress, but I sometimes I did it well, sometimes I didn't. But mm-hmm. that that gets back to that piece you're talking about, and mm-hmm. it did work. It really yeah. did. It does. And, you know, it's, it's very clinical for me to do that with clients and mm-hmm. patients and consumers. Right. So or it's easy for me to do that because I've been doing that for so many years. Mm-hmm. So it's to me, behaviorally, I've trained myself to be a vessel to a lot, to just absorb that and, and have it go on through as a parent. <laughs> it's been such oh. a different journey to take on that and not have it get stuck. Right. As opposed to flowing on through. Uh, it's so interesting that it's, I don't know what the difference is, but it, you know, it's such a mind boggling thing to me that I'm the same brain. I'm the same person. I'm- <laughs> yeah. Well, you have it, you have so much invested in that child and you love that child and you start to take things personally when it's what I understand with adoption trauma. It's not personal, right? You're just the punching bag because of, of what they're feeling. And, they tend to they will tend to react more negatively to the people they're closest to yeah and so and safe and safe with yeah, exactly exactly mm-hmm. so you know these have, have been great ideas to share with us i really appreciate you coming and sharing your expertise on this i know you talked about you're going to be helping people in in the boston area with this and yeah there's a lot of things going on. So a lot of things going on. Yeah, that one is an interesting one. It's definitely about uh, much about secondary trauma in that it's a it's a huge conference. It's about 800 to 1000 people they bring together annually. And I spoke this will be my third time speaking at this particular type of conference. And it's anyone who works with victims or perpetrators of crime. Mm-hmm. So think about all of the different touch points that those folks have. Oh, wow. And um, I'm going there to, um, we've talked about, I'm going to be launching my book on August 16th and the conference is the first week of September. So I'm going to be using my book as the framework to help support folks with, who feel like they've walked out with high functioning anxiety as a result of working with this population and help them understand what it looks like when you're on the continuum towards burnout. Mm-hmm. because wow. of working with it and and it is with the overarching idea of secondary trauma that okay. constant exposure to this high-end work is it, it impacts people and mm-hmm. so in order to keep doing the work if you enjoy the work there's a formula to work through that and to maintain yourself i can see where it's really needed and we could talk about this topic a lot, a lot more today. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time too. And I want thank to thank you, you for yeah. coming on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a daily doable, I think we probably listed several here, but <laughs> for, for a first step, just to, for, to reiterate and remind people, what would be that first step again for everybody to take? 
Well, I like your step of, you know, self-grace. I love that. Okay. It's actually, it's actually part of, it's a chapter in my book about self-grace actually. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, it's not the first step, but is it, I'm going to think about how I share that now. Um, giving, affording ourselves grace, moving on to uh, naming it and accepting that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. So then you can actually do something about it. And then that action step is entirely up to you. Do you want to talk to somebody about it? Do you want to get support around it? Do you want to maybe do some reading about it? Mm-hmm. Um, at, but at the end of the day, you're looking at shifting that fight, flight, or freeze response when you're faced with something traumatic in front of you. Yeah. Perfect. Those are great ideas to uh, to consider. And uh, I'm going to have you back on as the the book launch gets closer. Oh, thanks. So you, can, you can talk about the book and I'm sure people are going to want to get that. But so as exciting. we wrap, wrap up today, how can people uh, contact you and connect with you? Um, the best way is my website because everything's on there. Um, DrLisaHartwell.com. Mm-hmm. Super easy. It's my name. Um, and then just book a call. I think it's just the easiest way. I offer coaching um, programs. I have online courses. And of course, my book's coming out August 16th. If you want to get on the waiting list for that, just send me off an email on my website and um, take it from there. Yeah. yeah. I will have links to all that, those ways they can connect with you in the show notes. So Fabulous. again, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your expertise and wisdom with us. So thank you so much. Thanks, Tam. Aloha. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Hartwell as much as I did. Here are some of the takeaways. When dealing with secondary trauma, the first thing you must be willing to do is show yourself some grace. Number two, you have to name it to claim it. And then number three, do something about it. Whether that's seeking treatment or discovering techniques to help you navigate secondary trauma, do what works best for you. Make sure and check the show notes out for the ways you can connect with Dr. Hartwell. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.